0: Amen. I tell you, that was precious. I like that, love that song. And, oh, I just remember many years ago hearing the author of that song sing that, and knowing the circumstances under which he, he wrote that song. I won't go into that right now, but it just has a lot of depth to it in many ways for many people. Well, our text today is Psalms 22. Psalm 22, I've titled this message, the man, Christ Jesus. Uh, Lord willing, I'll be preaching it again next, not the same message, but I'll be preaching further into this uh, next Sunday. I know that I will not get through the entire 22nd Psalm today, but uh, we'll be going there. I find that so often we use the 22nd Psalm to show the cross of Jesus Christ. This is description, great descriptions of what would take place over a thousand years later. Now you think about that, over a thousand years later the cross would take place and yet very absolutely right descriptive uh, things are written out here to show what happens at the cross. And yet keep this in mind, I don't want anyone as we preach of all the sufferings of the cross to feel sorry for Jesus because he doesn't want people to feel sorry for him. He wants people to know why he did that for them. Yeah. And see, that's the difference. We went to, I've uh, been on several trips to Israel. Many of you have gone with me, or several of you have gone with me. and One of our guides over there, his name was Doron. And so several of you remember him. But... Uh, as he talked, and I talked with him, and he'd, uh, he said, how can anybody see in Psalms 22 that that is not Jesus? That is Jesus. He said, somebody just has to deny logic and fact to be able to see that. Just when you get about the, the feet and his, his hands, they didn't even have those things to do that with back in Psalms 22, telling about it even before it would happen. Unfortunately, Doran believed that it spoke of Jesus and really Isaiah 53 over 700 years before the cross, also speaking of the cross, he said, that's Jesus. He just didn't believe that Jesus was God coming to flesh. Without that, you're not saved. But, Sometimes we read of all the sufferings and we magnify those sufferings. But we may, in the midst of that, miss on the humanity of Jesus Christ. And we'll say, well, yeah, I believe He is God come in the flesh. But I'm talking about the humanity itself. And so, that would be my thought. Let's have a word of prayer, then we'll read here, beginning with verse 1. Precious Father, this is your word. I pray that the Holy Spirit would work in it and through it as only you can. I know I cannot convict any heart, but thy word can and thy spirit can move. That's what I'm calling on you for today. We wouldn't want anyone under the sound of my voice today to die without Jesus Christ. We wouldn't want anyone who claimed to be saved but really aren't to walk out of here without Christ. And yet, I would not want one of those who are saved would not want to, for them to walk out of here without being edified in their faith. And especially, I don't want to leave here without Jesus Christ being glorified. So, Father, do the work that only you can do. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, let's look at that first verse there. And he says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from... The, the words of my roaring. Now, I mentioned the humanity of Christ just to read that first verse. We shared on Wednesday night with our folks here in our Wednesday night Bible study uh, about the spirit and soul. When you go back to Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, shall I say, and God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. We've told you many times that you're not a uh, body that has a soul and spirit, but rather you're a spirit. Why? Because God made us in his image, and God is a spirit. John 4, uh, 23 tells us, 24. God is a spirit. When he said, let us make man in our image, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God is the Spirit. Jesus existed in Spirit as all eternity passed. It wasn't a body. It was a Spirit. We read, and here's the reason for the title of this message in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Now, again, this looks at somebody with a spirit and a soul. Jesus had a human spirit and a human soul. He was 100% human and he was 100% God. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So we're told that Jesus was actually God, and He created. We're told in John 1:14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But He was God come in the flesh, and as God come into flesh, it was that day in the councils of the Trinity before even the creation of the world, God knew that if He made man with the Spirit, with the free will, which that's what we have, that's why we either accept or reject the gospel, you could not accept it or reject it if you did not have a free will. So, you have a free will. You can accept or reject. That's what God designed it. Not my design, but it's in his book, and you either call it book wrong, you call it right. So, he had a spirit, a soul, and a body. The spirit is the seat of our intellect. We make decisions of life in that spirit doctor says you need surgery and you begin to contemplate in your spirit is this the wise thing to do? Do I really want to go under the knife? And will it really be worth it? And so you go under those things you consider it (laughs) excuse me, in your spirit. But your soul is the seat of your emotions. Your emotions, can, they can love, they can lust. They can help help with the desire to help, or they can hate. And that spirit and that soul Can have an effect on the body, depending on, we call it the body, the flesh, the which one is in control—the soul or the spirit. Remember Jonah's day, or not Jonah? Excuse me, but remember when there were among the Ninevites, and Jonah was there, and Jonah was upset that God was going to save that community after hearing the word preached. 60,000 souls that could not distinguish the right hand from the left hand. God says, 60,000 souls. Souls. The flesh responds to us. For an example, you can be angry at someone. And so the flesh does something to harm them. The soul can love someone and wants to be a help and a blessing to them. Lust can drive the flesh to so many things in the mind as well as other ways. The day Adam sinned, man was separated from God. But what I want you to understand is this. So let me read to you this next passage from uh, 2 Corinthians, should I say. No, 1 Corinthians, should I say, 15, verses, uh, verse 45. I think that would be it. And so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. And the last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Now, you hear people say the first Adam and the last Adam, the first Adam, second Adam. Jesus is the last Adam or the second Adam. Now, when Jesus was, uh, when, when Adam was created, it was perfect. He didn't have a sin nature. He did not have sin nature, but he was tempted and fell into temptation. And therefore, the day eat thereof, he shall surely die. Die means to be separated from. His spirit was separated not only from his body 900 years later, but at that very day, his spirit was separated from God. In other words, when his spirit was separated from God, that meant. His destiny was hell unless there was a Savior. When Jesus Christ came, in Hebrews chapter 10, we find, verse 5, I believe it is, that it was the Father actually that is forming Jesus Christ inside the womb of Mary. As a matter of fact, my wife and I were talking about this last night and she said, seed of the woman, but how is that a seed? Only in that it was her body that, just like a normal human being, would get nourishment and all other things of life that a baby goes through. But God actually made Jesus inside of Mary. And the Holy Spirit come upon you, and that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God, Luke tells us. So when this baby is born to Jesus Christ, he, it's not like you and me. You and I, we inherit a sin nature from our parents, from our grandparents, from all the way back to Adam, we Inherit a sin nature. You never saw your parents in maybe some sin that you've been in in your lifetime. And that may be true. But it enters your life. And you help to expand the capacity for your own child to sin in more things of temptation. We talk about our stand against homosexuality, and we are against that. So many other things. I mean, again, we shared this Wednesday night. Throughout this past year, all we've heard is follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. So I decided to take their advice. God made two genders. Okay, I mean, just two genders. That's the science. That's the science. Two genders. Look, when we were having our children, they didn't identify the children, what's going to be a boy or girl before they were born. You just didn't know. You went in there realizing you can't give it back either. Uh, but, but you went in there realizing but, that uh, you didn't know what's going to be till the day that baby is born. And for us men, the doctor would come out and hold the baby up for you to see. But I never heard a doctor come out and say, congratulations, you got a bouncing baby transvestite. (laughs) But yet, that's supposed to be a gender today. And they say, follow the science? That's ignorant. Okay? God is a man. In Christ Jesus, had a human body, a human spirit, was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. That's my Jesus. That's my God. And he did that out of love for us. And so, why art thou so far from helping me? From the words of my roaring? Can you see that he had a human spirit? He had a human soul. He was in the wilderness for 40 days, didn't have anything to eat or drink. Devil tempts him like crazy out there, and angels are sent to minister to him. It's getting near the time for the cross, and he's in that Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying, and his sweat is so thick it's as if it were Blood. And angels are sent to minister to him. But on the cross, he cries out My God, my God, why? Why hast hast thou forsaken me? He says, "I, I cry unto you. I cry. In the daytime, and thou hearest not, and in the night season and am not silent. I think we're seeing him in Pilate's judgment hall. I think we're seeing him when he's first taken to Ananias and, 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 and when he's in there and there They beat him, and they they spit on him, and they judge him falsely. He takes it all. But in his human spirit, his human soul has those emotions. I mean, at Lazarus' grave, Jesus wept. He had a human soul. But in the counsels of eternity past, for from everlasting to everlasting thou art God, in those counsels, he knew what they would do. He would be the one that would, God would send his only begotten Son because the Father loves us. The Son loves us. The Holy Spirit loves us. You see, we're loved. And he wanted to save our soul. But he would be subjected to those same things that we're subjected to. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He was equal with God. But made himself of no reputation. And he humbled himself, he humbled himself, even unto the death of the cross. Oh, he could have called twelve legions of angels, but he didn't. He never sinned one time. It's the only way he could be our intercessor and understand fully us and understanding that the mediator between god and man it's not a preacher it's not a priest it's not a pope it's jesus christ the only potentate Amen. and jesus christ knowing what we'd feel if you were in that position that he was on the cross, you would be feeling the same things that he felt. I, as a pastor, I remember picking up a lady one time, and with my wife and I, we picked her up. Her husband was being arrested, and as we drove there, she said. Why does God allow this to happen to us? And it's, she was almost like asking the question why? Why? Jesus sweat those huge drops because he knew what he was going to face. Yes. He had a human spirit. He had a human soul. So he asks these questions. But then he says, But thou art holy, O thou, that inhabitest the praises of Israel. By the way, you can learn from that that the Lord inhabits praise. When it's holy praise of his name. He doesn't want built praising him. He doesn't want us using rock and roll. He doesn't want us to use anything else to do that. Praise must be always holy. Because he is holy. He is is righteous in all of his ways and holy in all his works. And that's Psalms 145, 17. That's God. That's what he is for us. He loves us. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Think of your worst sin. Don't say it out loud, but just think of your worst sin right now. Think of things that have happened in your lifetime. You don't want anybody in this auditorium to know, that's for sure. Certainly don't want it going out over the internet. Then listen to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sins. Should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes we are healed. He said, Ye there, but ye are healed. Ye, I like the word ye. You know why I like the word ye? It's a plural, but can be applied individually as well as to anybody. By his stripes ye are healed. But think about that, those stripes, that cross, my sin is on him. My sin is on him. That worst sin that you just remembered was on him. As first John chapter two verse two says, "And he is the propitiation. That means the entire payment for all time. Amen. Paid it off in full. For he's the propitiation for our sins. But unless anybody try to make that, well, that's for the elect sin only. No. But not only for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Amen. Wow. You know, I didn't get saved the day Jesus died. I wasn't even born yet. I hadn't sinned yet. But that day, his blood was shed for the sins that I would commit, any I ever would commit. 2,000 years ago, that happened. Before eternity started, election happened. But see, blood was shed 2,000 years ago, but it was never applied to my account until I received Christ as my Savior. Election happened. Because all are called. Election happened. Before the creation of the world. But it was not applied to my account until the day I received Jesus Christ as Savior. He's my God. He loves me. You don't think He's omniscient? He knew he knew. And notice again those last words. When he said in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, and let me read that verse again. Who his own self bare our sins in his own body in the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. People say, oh, just pray this prayer and you're going to heaven. We call it easy believism. There's no repentance. I mean, most of you got married in the church. Forsake thee only, keep thyself only to her or to him so long as you both shall live. You're repenting. You're repenting from anyone you ever dated, anyone you'd ever been a boyfriend or girlfriend to. And there's one person. When we turn to Jesus Christ, we just turn to one that would save us. It would not be Central Baptist Church or any other church or religion. Only Jesus. For he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And when he saved us, what did he say there? That we should live into righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. We as Christians, saved people, we're to be witnesses, we're to go out and knock on doors, we're to out, go out and witness to people, share with them the gospel. But not just that Jesus died and rose from the dead from them, but they receive it, then to lead them to be baptized, and then to follow that up by teaching them to observe everything that he has commanded us. Why? That's Righteousness. The prayer of calling upon the Lord to save your soul is only words if you're not entering into a relationship with Jesus Christ in which he's head. And you're in submission. That in Ephesians chapter 5, those first 32 verses, talking about the husband and wife, wives being subjection to your own husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love us? He died for us. He died for what we deserve to have eternity in hell for. He arose. Revelation 1.18 talks about the power of that resurrection. That he, speaking of Jesus Christ, has the keys of both hell and death. His was victory over the grave. And my victory is only in Jesus. That's why we sing victory in Jesus. That's what our victory is. My friend, when I think of how he loved me, how he loved you, each of us, do you realize no matter who it is in here, no matter who is understanding my voice today, no matter anyone in this entire planet, if they had been the only person to have ever sinned, he would have still died for them. Yes, as the song says, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. And yes, at Ephesians chapter 5 passage that talks so much about the marital relationship, and yet it's just letting us know that the marital relationship should be a picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Because If you receive him as your Savior, you become part of the bride of Christ. He's the head. Let's submit and do his will. What does the love of God mean to you? What does that love uh, mean to you that he would die for you? A literal human with emotions as you and I would have. Even to this day, grieve not the Spirit of God. God, in in Genesis chapter 6, saw men, but so sinful it grieved him that he had created them. And yet, through love, He provided a way of salvation. So let me ask the question. Are you 100% sure that if you die today that heaven's your home? I've just covered here these first few verses. And there's so much more. But if you go through all of Psalms 22 and you see the descriptions of the cross... Remember, there was a soul, a human soul of Christ that did not sin one time. And even on the cross, he did ask the question, why? Because grace could not come to his humanity at that point if we were to be saved. That's why he can be an intercessor for you and me now. He understands us so well. He loves us. That's why when I read Psalms 23 now, it's with such a different thing. Psalms 23, Psalms 24 is not possible without Psalms 22. So let me just ask this again. Are you 100% sure if you die today that heaven is your home? Do you have an eternal salvation? Do you have a personal relationship with Christ, or is all you have a relationship? I mean, a, a, a religion. Do you know, if you die today that heaven's your home, if you're a Christian, he went through all of that. Not only in body, but in soul and spirit, He went through all of that in his humanity. He bare it all in his body that we who have received might live uh, unto righteousness. Are we? Deuteronomy 6.25 describes what righteousness is. If it gives a definition, I guess that's the definition, isn't it? What God tells us. They obey his commandments. They obey his commandments. That is, obey is almost another word for faith. You can know the commandments. You can believe facts about the commandments. But they're not your commands until you obey them. That's not faith until then. Christian, commandments, love one another as Christ loved us. Oh, he talks much about sowing discord and about gossip and about different things. He talks about adultery. He talks about oh, some of the terrible sins that we think of the flesh. But we're also to witness. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're to study, study his word to get to know his person all the more. Do you have a daily time in the Word of God? Do you think on it? Christian, how can we expect people to get saved if we don't live it? And secondly, a lot of people today are worried about will our freedom of worship get that or freedom of religions really, but to meet together and so many other things Do you have the commitment, regardless of what man, government may say, to obey God or to obey man, always choose God? But if our life is on the line, will you obey God? It's deep thought, it's profound thought. But one day, All of us are going to be like Brother Jim Peebles. We're going to be standing before the Lord in his presence if you're saved. We ought to be ready at any moment to meet the Lord. Through death or through a rapture. Are you prepared? Are you in your Christian life the way you want God would have you to be? If he raptured us today. And if there was a rapture today, are you sure that heaven would be your home, or would you be left behind? Come to the man, Christ Jesus. Let's bow our